Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 14, 15 through 31 about the parting of the Red Sea called Go Forward. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. But here's a picture of the world, the world without God in the judgment of darkness, the people of God in basking in the light of his love and goodness and protection. That's what we have. That's why we need to cross over from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's what Paul was told to do when he preached by Jesus. That that was his commission. Tell the people how to get saved, how to come out of darkness and come into the light. I wonder how many Egyptian soldiers were looking over into the camp of Israel thinking, you know, it'd be nice to be in the light. But there was the distinction between the people of God and the people of the world, if you will. The Egyptians, says Riken, were chomping at the bit, ready to attack, but all night long, God kept them in the dark. Meanwhile, on the other side of the divine blockade, the children of God were basking in the light. Our great go-between, Christ Jesus, protecting us from the big enemies of life, sin and death, Satan, all of the dark powers that we face, he will deliver us, he has delivered us. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and something else was happening. The Lord swept the sea back. It wasn't Moses. The Lord did it by a strong east wind. He used the wind because the wind is at his beck and call. And he turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. Notice it was during the night. It was the strong east wind all night. So this wasn't the snap of a finger uh, parting of the sea. The wind blew and blew and blew. And finally, it opened up the way. And part of the miracle was the dry ground that they could pass over. Because you would imagine it would have been, you know, mushy and it would have been difficult to move anything there, animals and, and the like. But the Lord, part of the miracle was he dried out the ground And the wind blew, and he held back the Egyptian army. He's opening up the way for his people and holding back the enemy with his presence. Isn't he good? And he can do it all at the same time because we serve a mighty God, praise the Lord, who's a mighty miracle-working God. And he blocks the enemy, and he opens up the way for his people. And this is our story, brethren. This is the way of salvation. This is a picture of of the gospel. Isaiah says, was it not you who dried up the sea? Isaiah 51.10, the waters of the great deep who made the depths of the sea the pathway for the redeemed to cross over. Remember when the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is finally getting some rest, long overdue rest, and a storm comes and the disciples begin to freak out. And should we wake him up? I don't know. Should we wake him up? And they wake him up. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And the Lord says to them, why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? And before that, it said he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, quiet. (laughs) Don't you love it? Be still. Hush. This is the power that Jesus manifested over uh, creation and so forth. And then they said of Jesus, you can write down Mark 4, 39 through 41, who is this 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. I'll tell you who he is. He's God. And we beheld his glory, John says. And so the sons of Israel, 22, went through the midst of the sea. That word for sea is yam, if you're interested, Y-A-M in Hebrew. Consistently used to describe large bodies of water. This is no little lake or so forth. Forget all that stuff. It was a large body of water, and they passed through on dry land. And the waters were like a wall. The word for wall here in Hebrew has the idea of large city walls, at least 20 feet high, to them on their right hand and on their left hand. Now, I don't know if you would want to be the first one to walk into the sea, but I would still say that's a walk of faith because you hope that God doesn't get distracted. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. I was holding up the seawalls for these guys, right? That's not how it works. We all know that. That's a very human illustration. But still, we're human. Do you remember later when the... uh, Children of Israel are going to go into the promised land to take Jericho, and they're going to cross the Jordan. And God says, okay, I'm going to part the Jordan, but I want the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to step into the Jordan, and when they step in, I'll part the waters. And here's, and you can write down uh, Joshua 3, 13 through 17, if you're taking notes. But let me just summarize The waters congealed and were held up by the power of God. But God said, I'm not parting the waters until the priest with the ark step in. Ray Vanderlaan did an on-site teaching, and he said that the book of Joshua says the waters were at flood stage. And that means that the first step would not be what a lot of us like to do. So how is it 83 degrees in the water? Is this a good enough step of faith for you, God? You see, look at how I believe. No, it would appear that if you were the lead priest carrying the ark, the step would be a step over your head. Either God parts the river or you're going down with the ark. Now that is faith. And I often feel when God asks me to take a step that it is way over my head. And that's what a walk of faith is. And so the children of Israel go in. But you could imagine, you might be rushing your family through the waters, wouldn't you? We don't know what's going to happen here. What if you were one of those naysayers at the beginning? You know, aren't there enough graves in Egypt? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? You're like, I hope he doesn't just let this portion of the sea come on my head because I was whining, Right? And some of you have issues with getting your family moving, right? Sunday morning. Anybody? Let's go. It's time to move. This is a Bible verse. It's time to go forward. Stop blow drying your hair and all that stuff that you're doing. Let's go. Some of you this morning had these issues. I can feel it in the room. You're like, let's get going. It's time to move. You've prayed enough. (laughs) Whatever, maybe. Anyway. And so off they go into the sea. Wonder what the conversation was like. You know, the movies depicted as everybody's, whoa, cool. You know, lit up uh, whale looking down. Hey, what's going on over here? You know, an aquarium kind of feel. I'm not sure. I think I'd be doing some speed walking because that's about all I got right now. (laughs) Trying to get everything to the other side. 
Will you believe the same God who stopped the waters will keep them suspended? Hebrews eleven twenty nine, the great hall of faith says, by faith, they, Israel, passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. I want to take you to two Psalms for your encouragement. Psalm 77, let's turn there. We'll come back to Exodus and finish it up in a moment. But Psalm 77, uh, a couple of Psalms that celebrate what God did here. This is a powerful one, and I would encourage you, if you're looking for a devotion this week, Psalm 77 is amazing. But for our purposes, Psalm 77 down to verse 16. It says, The waters, Psalm 77, 16, saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. Some believe that Clouds were present, you know, uh, maybe causing problems for the Egyptians. That's debatable. The skies gave forth a sound, probably sounds of thunder. Thy arrows flashed here and there. The sound of thy thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way was in the sea and thy paths in the mighty waters. And thy footprints may not be known Thou didst lead thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And then over to Psalm 136. This is a psalm that celebrates the faithful covenant love of Yahweh. It repeats, your love endures forever or your loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 136 It's kind of like a something is uh, lauded about God, celebrated about God. And then the congregation says, His love endures forever, or his loving kindness is everlasting. Skip down to verse 13. It says, Psalm 136, 13, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder. Let's say it, brethren. His loving kindness is everlasting. He made Israel pass through the midst of it. His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, got to do the last one loud. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. His loving kindness is everlasting. Amen. And amen. Back to Exodus and we'll finish it. And so the Egyptian army watches what happens. They've been blocked by this divine cloud. And now, obviously, something changes where they can now pursue. And so the Egyptians took up pursuit. 1423, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. And it came about at the morning watch that the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. Now, first of all, why in the world would the Egyptian army chase them? Didn't it look like sort of a trap? (laughs) What was wrong with these people? But I will tell you this. It is amazing to me that when someone's heart becomes hardened what they will do to try to fight God. And that's what happened. Their hearts were hard, and they went in to the sea, literally, at the morning watch. That's the hours that the day begins to dawn. The Lord looked down at the morning watch. That's when Jesus came to the disciples. When they were rowing on the sea, he came to them at the fourth watch of the night and, of course, rescued them. And so God caused their chariot wheels to swerve, If you have an NIV, it says they came off. Literally, the wheels were coming off for the Egyptians. 
He made them drive with difficulty, so the Egyptians said, let us flee. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Now, first of all, why in the world would the Egyptian army chase them? Didn't it look like sort of a trap? (laughs) What was wrong with these people? But I will tell you this. It is amazing to me that when someone's heart becomes hardened, what they will do to try to fight God. And that's what happened. Their hearts were hard, and they went in to the sea, literally at the morning watch. That's the hours that the day begins to dawn. The Lord looked down at the morning watch. That's when Jesus came to the disciples. When they were rowing on the sea, he came to them at the fourth watch of the night, and of course, rescued them. And so God caused their chariot wheels to swerve. If you have an NIV, it says they came off. Literally, the wheels were coming off for the Egyptians. He made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee. Let's get away from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Yeah, uh, duh. (laughs) I mean, how many times does this have to happen until you figure out that their God is strong and you're going to lose? But they realized this in the sea. The chariot wheels began to swerve. They were driving with difficulty. They were confused. If you read Old Testament uh, war accounts, this is often a tactic that God used. He just simply confused the enemy. He can do whatever he wants. And so there, there was confusion and fear. And the Lord said to Moses, obviously this is a truncated, abridged uh, story here because there's taken time to pass through. They've done it uh, you know, fully now. Stretch out your hand over the sea. Israel has passed through so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, just as he had done when it parted and the sea returned to its normal state. And it happened at daybreak. We'll come back to that. And while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, the Lord, it's the Lord, not Moses. It's not the wind. It's the Lord. He overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea And as an old rock and roll song put it, and the walls came tumbling down. (laughs) Can you imagine being one of those Egyptians? I told you, Fred. Ah! And there goes the mightiest army in the world, drowned in the midst of the sea. And some of you may be saying, I really feel for those poor Egyptians. How terrible. Until you realize that when we first studied the book, the Pharaoh was trying to drown Hebrew baby boys in the Nile River. This is divine retribution. 
You try to drown my people and kill my people? Guess what? This is the final blow against you for what you've done to my people. And so he overthrew the most powerful army in the world, and he was glorified. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army. We don't know if he was there. We don't know if he sat back like many generals would do and, or uh, you know, leaders of a country and just said, go get them, boys. We don't know. But the army, the entire army is described as going into the sea after them and not one of them remained. They were all destroyed. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the enemy was destroyed. Can you imagine being one of the Israelites on the other side of the sea? And you look, the day is breaking. The Lord saved Israel that day 30 from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead washing up on the seashore, which is very typical of Someone dies in water, in an ocean, for example, eventually bodies will wash up to the seashore. This may be why we don't have more artifacts as people have looked for them. I don't know for sure. But I will tell you this, that as the Israelites were on the other side of the miracle, they looked and they saw probably thousands of Egyptian soldiers washing up dead on the seashore. What does that do for your faith when you realize how powerful your God is. He said, I'm going to destroy the enemies of sin and death and I'm going to bring you to the other side. I will safely bring you home to my heavenly kingdom. And look, we struggle with faith. The last verse of Isaiah says, then they shall go forth and look on the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me for their worm shall not die and their fire shall not be quenched and they shall be in an horrible abhorrence to all mankind. The final verse of Isaiah seems to indicate that the people of God will look on those who have been judged by God. And it describes corpses as a visible reminder that God is holy. And he makes a distinction between his people and the enemy. I will say this, that this is a graphic picture of the day of the Lord. Because in the day of the Lord, the Lord is going to save his people through the difficult trial of the last days, and he's going to pour out, listen to those words, pour out his judgment on an unbelieving world. And so there is a day of the Lord coming as well. But Jesus said of his followers, Father, the ones that you gave me, I lost not one of them. And that's what we are told, is that not one of the Israelites were lost, but the Egyptian army was lost. And so Israel was saved through the waters, through the sea. Not one of the enemy remained, but all of Israel passed over. And the Lord saved his people. He's a God who saves. And when Israel saw, final verse, the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. This is a good kind of fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. They literally crossed over from death to life. This is what Jesus said salvation is, by the way. He said, if you believe his word, you believe the the God who sent him or his father who sent him, 
When you believe, you pass over, think of the sea, from death to life. You must have a moment where you trust Jesus. And remember that Moses said that God would raise up a prophet like him in in the future. And the greater Moses is the Messiah who leads his people to salvation. And so Jesus is getting ready to die as the Passover lamb. And he tells his disciples, I'm leaving. And they are torn up. And they say, Lord, where are you going? What do you mean by this? And Jesus said these words. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. If there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be. Going, there you may be. And where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. And one of the disciples said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. And no one is crossing over to my father's house except through me. This great Savior makes the way for us and also deals with our enemies for us. This is our mighty God. Amen. This is the God of our salvation. You've been listening to Go Forward, part three on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you joined us this Sunday morning for church service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Now, you can do that whether you live in Southern California or not. We live stream our 1030 a.m. service, but if you're in the area, we'd actually prefer if you can come in and fellowship. You can get service and live stream information when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. We have been rejoicing because we have almost hit our goal of 50% listener support, and that is for our fiscal year, which ends March 31st. We run from uh, March to March in our fiscal year. And so a lot of listeners have stepped up. And so I want to take a moment to say some thank yous to those who have given gifts. Ian from Los Angeles gave a gift of $120. Thank you, Ian. We got a gift from Duffy in Corona, and we appreciate that gift as well. And Angelica from La Puente became a new Walk in Truth partner. Thank you, Angelica. And Edward from L.A. also gave us a gift. Thank you, Edward. We appreciate that $45 gift. And we got Ronnie from Whittier, who became a Walk in Truth partner at $45 a month. We're getting closer to our goal. We're not that far away. In fact, we're, uh, as of this recording, $13,883 away from hitting 50% of listener funding, which means a lot to us as a team and as a church, because the church that I serve, Living Truth in Corona, has been funding most of the bill as a missionary endeavor. And we, we believe in that, but we also would love our listeners to come on board. And there is a, there's a scriptural principle that if you are being uh, fed, 
being blessed, growing, uh, learning from a ministry. You should try to support it. The first ministry that, that you should support is your local church. But if you have the ability for kingdom purposes to invest in this ministry, well, it, it's something that the Lord does call us to do, and we're grateful for each one of you. If you're able to give or you feel a tug from the Holy Spirit that you'd like to help us meet the goal, here's what you can do. You can go to walkintruth.com, click on the donate button, walkintruth.com, click on the donate button. Uh, as I sit here, this is an afternoon. I'm in a little studio and uh, to just know um, I don't get paid to do radio. Um, I'm doing it as a passion of my heart. Uh, an extension of what I believe the Lord's called me to do as a pastor. And I'm grateful. And so for all of you who pray for us, all of you who support us, thank you. Check out more about the ministry when you go to walkintruth.com. Hey, I pray you have a beautiful weekend. Make sure you get connected to your local church, serving the Lord, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And if uh, you're out here near the Inland Empire, Come and check us out on Sunday morning. We have two services at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to know more about the local church that I serve, Living Truth in Corona, California, go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. God bless you. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 15 called a song of deliverance and victory. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.